in this in this game, everybody's tough. Um, toughness only takes you so far. Um, so, basing your fight strategy around being tough, well, the people who who lean on that don't tend to last too long. Um, they they like fireworks. They'll they'll come and they'll go. Welcome to the Science of Building Champions podcast, where your host, Don Heatrick, chats with top-level fighters and coaches, diving into their stories to discover what makes champions. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Rich Cadden, former two-times Muay Thai world champion, performance coach, and chief instructor at his own gym, Chok D Academy in York in the UK. Not only that, but also a former railway engineer, a presenter and commentator at live Muay Thai and MMA events, a mind coach, a UFC Europe fighter safety commissioner, and recently a veteran Muay Thai title holder after getting back into the ring after 11 years out and with 20 kilos to lose in just 15 weeks. So, you know, with all of that, there's really so many directions we can go today, Rich. And uh, thank you for, for joining me on the podcast today. No problem. No problem. It's, it's a pleasure to be on. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, um, you, you've had your fight. We're going to, I'm sure, circle back to that. But I want to start really with how you got into, into Muay Thai in the first place. Um, now, I know you, you actually started, it was kickboxing, wasn't it, in York before you even moved to um, Bad Company Gym and, and Leeds? Um, yeah, so um, it, it starts a little bit before then as well. So um, I started doing judo when I was about eight years old. Um, I've been been into been into martial arts and 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 that kind of thing um, for, for for quite a while, um, and then I found then then I was playing rugby. Um, I played played rugby through to a to a professional level. Um, came through the academy ranks and all the boys levels um, through the through the city squad, um, up to getting a, a one year contract playing professionally, um, and then as they, there was a there was a change of management at the rugby club, um, and they cancelled all the one year contracts. I went back to playing amateur rugby, and I didn't particularly enjoy the amateurish attitude um, that, that that some of the guys were taking. So, kind of dived into um, started having a look around for for other sports, um, and the, the the thing that kind of triggered me into it was having a look at the the Valetudo World Championships in uh, 1996, I think it was. I got a video from HMV, um, and the the closest thing that I could find to to Valetudo at that point was was the local kickboxing gym. Um, I started kickboxing, um, and then from there, I kind of gradually progressed. I had a had a look around. Um, I started training with Andy Wilby and Pierre Mahon in in York. Um, before, after, well, it was it was after probably five six months training, uh, and and I had a couple of fights within that. Um, I then moved over to Bad Company, and and then spent the the rest of my career at, at Bad Company gym. And and with Bad Company, you started training there. Obviously, that was a shift from everything else that you you'd been doing with kickboxing or any of these other other martial arts you've been playing around with. Yeah, and it was it was Muay Thai that you'd gone into. Um, yeah. How did that transition feel to you? What what was the draw? Why did you feel that Muay Thai was was kind of what you wanted to settle on? Um, basically, it was the 
it was a full contact nature of it. Um, so I've, I've been, like I say, I've been kickboxing for a while. Um, I've had a play with this kind of flick boxing, kickboxing stuff. Um, I, I got disqualified from a couple of competitions for hitting too hard, which I found, which I, I really struggled to kind of get my head around. Um, because I was seeing it as a fight. Um, I was used to having a scrap on the rugby pitch every, every week. Um, <laughs> but to get told off or, or, or disqualified for, for hitting too hard, there, there, was, there was just a, a major disconnect there. Um, so, I've, um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was the, 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 the experience that I had. Um, and then, enjoy, like I say, enjoying the, the, the full contact nature of it. Um, and then when I when I got when I got into it, it was the um, because it's a weight category sport. I thought it was a bonus that I was fighting someone my own size for a change. Um, I used to play scrum half, so I was the little <laughs> dude in the middle of the rugby pitch, uh, up against second big second rowers all the time. Um, and then when I when I started tie boxing and found it was a weight category sport, I was rubbing my hands together, going, "Yes, I'm fighting another little dude." <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was uh, that was the start to it. And and with Bad Company being such a stable of champions as well, when you started doing your Muay Thai, was the objective in your mind when you're training, I'm going to I'm training to compete and become a champion, or was it just I'm just training for the for the fun of things here? Um, it was it was training to compete. Um, basically, one of the reasons why I moved over to Bad Company was that I started at. Um, I started training with with Pierre and Andy in, in York, um, and they were saying like we can we can organise maybe three four fights a year, um, and I was like oh right okay so um, basically I'm used to having a scrap on a rugby pitch every every week I w- I want to fight every week like I w- I want to have in three four fights a month, um, uh, and probably not realizing the the intensity that I was looking for um but Pierre says well I can't quite deliver that um but I know a man who can um pass me over to Richard Smith um and then Richard was like yeah okay let's get cracking um we'll fire you off and chuck you into a, a, for, for a lot of fights and then we'll we'll learn as we go and that learning as you go it actually took you to Thailand relatively early as well didn't it yeah, very very quickly. Um, so, within like the first um, within like the first year, um, I had the opportunity to, to to go out there and and start training out there. Um, I was actually doing a as I started Thai boxing um, and and training regularly over over at Bad Company. Um, I was also into my surfing at the same time. Um, so we'd we'd have like maybe. Once a month over to Caton Bay over in Scarborough, which was bloody freezing, surfing in the North Sea, um, and then and then we'd have at the um, the August Bank Holiday down in down in Newquay, um, and we'd have like three or four days down there, and so that was my kind of dipping my finger into into surfing. Um, was watching all the, I basically picked up the kind of surfing lifestyle. Um, and I enjoyed the surfing lifestyle rather than the actual surfing itself. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, just kind of wearing all the gear and having the like more of a kind of fashion thing. Um, then watching the videos, we watched a, a video called "The Endless Summer," um, 
and basically that was following the waves around the world. Um, and I did a had a six month tour going out to Thailand, um, and and then all all the way around. So kind of Malaysia, Singapore, down into Australia, um, over to New Zealand, um, back up Fiji, Hawaii, um, LA, then back back across. Uh, back to London, so it was. A, I did that over over a six month period, um, but the actual opportunity to get out to Thailand, um, I basically dropped in with all the different um, martial arts as as I went around there. So the fact that I'd actually started Thai boxing, and then the first place that I was going was Thailand, was just like a blessing in disguise. It was it was just kind of the stars aligned and and the opportunities aligned, and it, that was it. So yeah. That that was that was my very first actual experience of tra- of um, going to Raj Damnan, um, and that was when I first walked into Raj Damnan Stadium. Um, when I went ringside, uh, so walking through those the, those um, kind of curtain doors, then the the Thai oil mm. smell hitting me, hearing all the guys like chanting in tongues and cheering cheering and rewarding the technique rather than just supporting the fighter um, and the mm-hmm. understanding kind of more about the betting culture and, and stuff like that was a, was a, like one of my first experiences as well. So that was, that was really good. So we kind of touched on there really what you kind of loved and appreciated about Muay Thai at the start. Is, is that kind of nailed there or would you like to expand on that? Um, yeah, that, 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 that was it. It's, it's the, um, it's always been a, sporting adventure for me it's always been that kind of personal challenge that that i've enjoyed um rather than seeing it as a as a fight seeing it as a as a sporting context and really embracing that sporting attitude um that carried over really well from obviously my my, my rugby background and, and and that kind of thing and i and i think that was one of the like i said when i went from playing professionally to playing playing amateur um it was the amateurish attitude that i didn't like but also the professionalism towards my training that i that i brought into into tie boxing um because around that time there wasn't there wasn't many people around around that that kind of time that were that were doing all these additional things um and so it was, it was kind of like a, a really strong starting point to be in that in that position um Bringing in strength conditioning, like getting your getting your weight right and cutting your weight down, and and it, there was a, obviously a bit of bro science and 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 that kind of thing to <laughs> to to get back down. Uh, but like I say, it it is what it is what it is. Um, it's a it's it's something new that I kind of brought to brought to the game. Yeah, do, do you know what I'm I'm hearing you speak here, Rich, and it and it's like we're almost saying the same story it, it feels exactly <laughs> how it was for me as well I had a well for, for me it was actually American football here that right. I was playing but that had the strength and conditioning side as well and I yeah. love the sort of technical and tactical part of the playbook side of that as well but it was the fact that it was wasn't just the gameplay it was everything you brought as an athlete to then that was your foundation to then do the sport and it was a completely different attitude to, to what I saw with people doing in martial arts really it was all about just practice the sport, just do more of the sport, and that will that will give you everything you need to to succeed. 
And I yeah. found just like you, almost there was a little bit of the opposite going on in that you definitely need enough technical and tactical, but especially early on, it's like I, I could win fights not by being technically better, but just having a better engine than other people. And I, yeah. could, I could bull through <laughs> what they were doing. And especially yeah. in a sport like Muay Thai, it was where its reward is effect. And, and you know, if you can keep your balance better and, and have uh, more of an effect on your opponent, actually hurt them, then um, that having that athletic foundation is, is a really big part of it. And that was something I could see from my experience that I'd had outside of Muay Thai that was not being done in traditional Muay Thai training. And it sounds yes. like that's very similar to what you've, you've had, what, what you've seen and what you've started to apply what you're doing. And I'm also interested, because also like me, you come from an engineering background professionally as well, which yeah. has, you have a different viewpoint on what you're doing. How's, how have you found that has merged into what you were doing before and what you're doing now? Um, kind of one of the, one of the things that I'd, I'd say that, I embraced was this kind of, it was getting to a point where it's not always more is better. Um, it, it's it's a case of, right, okay, well, I was getting to a point where, well, this, this is one of the stories. Um, one, night, one night I was going, I was going out and I'd like get down to the, get down to the gym. I was jogging on a treadmill um, and this guy came up and he got on the treadmill next to me um, and it went one one mile an hour faster, and so I was like, "Okay, we're playing that game, are we?" I went one mile an hour faster than him, <laughs> and then yeah, he went one mile an hour faster, and then the incline started going up, um, and then we was absolutely blasting it out, like both treadmills going going as fast as they they could at the at the highest incline. He looked across, he looked over to me, he, he had a kind of wry grin on his face. I started laughing and everything as well. And then he started kind of going down, so so he quit first, obviously, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and 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 then so I started going down, and he was like, "Oh man, you you good, you good? Like what what's what's your what's your sport? What's your thing?" He says, "Oh, it's, it's Thai boxing." Um, and it's like, "Oh, what's what's your sport?" He says, "Oh, marathon running." <laughs> so <laughs> he. Um, and and says yeah I won the I won the York Marathon uh, last year um, I'm just starting to ramp my training back up again what kind of mileage are you doing a week um, and I says well I'm I'm probably doing about kind of 40, 40 miles a week like I'll do like a three four mile run like every morning um, then I'll run every night and everything and it's like wow that's more than me I was like whoa mm. okay so more isn't always necessarily better. It was a case of better's better, smarter's better. Let's let's train smarter. There, yeah. there, there must be a smarter way to go around this. Um, and then this is when I started tapping into more with my um, like personal training, and I started having a chat with some personal trainers down at down at the local gym, um, and and then I started embracing that kind of tuition myself and understanding more about kind of periodization and and how to kind of structure a training plan and and things like that um but and and a lot of these the the personal trainers took me through like the beginnings of periodization understanding like a strength block a a a, a speed block an endurance block and 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 things like that and and it was like 
Right, okay, so adaptation and, and this is how your body reacts, this is how your body responds. Now, now, right, okay, look, work on those small areas and then put it together when I'm in the tie boxing gym. That figures, that, that's, that's a smarter way around it. Um, and that was my start. So, so it was kind of learning as I, as I was doing um, yeah. and that's what led to it, yeah. And I guess with the the engineering side of things as well, it's you you come from more like a an evidence evidence based kind of approach to things, don't you? Rather than yeah. like you mentioned earlier, bro science. There's so much, yeah. especially especially years ago, it was just like it's hearsay. It's almost like the bloke down the pub said, "This is the best way to do this." Oh right, yeah. off you go. Rather than checking it out and does it actually work? Does it work with not just the out weird outliers who kind of anything makes them better? Does it work yeah. with everybody? Um, yeah. and, and engineering has a bit more of that side of it. Have you felt that? Yeah. So as a, so moving from being a, being a, being a fighter into, into coaching and having to, um, kind of systemize the, 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 the processes that we're going through. Um, this is, this is what's kind of tapped into the engineering background was right. Okay. Well, I'm I'm me, but does this work for everybody? Well, not everybody has the same level of intensity. Not not everybody has the same level of drive. So how can I get the same adaptations with with less enthusiasm? So like a lot of people don't a lot of people don't want to do the morning runs. A lot of people don't want to go for a run before training. So how can I try and give them that same stimulus or put them in under enough stress in order to put that put that challenge to them so like it's up to you whether you want to work harder well you only want to work harder if you've been put in a, in a in a horrible situation where you feel really unfit well okay if you, if if that's how you're feeling when you're feeling really unfit then that's when you go right okay i need more of this i need more fitness right that, okay now it's the time to move forwards and start having a look at those those different programs, those different protocols. And and something you you were talking about earlier, Rich, you were talking about these different sports that you've done and the different activities that you've done. So even even surfing, I'd not heard that one at all before. So that was like complete surprise for me today. Um, but what I'm hearing is this all taps into something else that I know you're you're deep into, and it's flow state. It's activities that get you into flow. That, that get you out of your head and into the moment and performing at your best. And is that something you feel you've been chasing with your activities, whether that's yeah, rugby, whether it's surfing or Muay Thai? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those where, um, so take it, take it back to the surfing experience. Um, mm. it was what, like when I was in Australia, um, I was, I was surfing up, a place called Tallow's Beach, which is on the there's a there's a peninsula on the most eastern point of Australia called uh, Byron Bay. It's a beautiful place. On one side there's Byron Bay, on the other side it's Tallow's Beach. Well, Tallow's Beach was a, a little bit kind of they had bigger swells. It was a little bit more kind of gnarly, and, and the 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 the, the, um, the bottom of the um, under, like under the waves and everything, there, were, there was a bit more of a coral reef, so there was a little bit more dangerous and and stuff like that. Um, and so obviously we had to go around there because there was more risk. <laughs> um, 
And <laughs> so when we, when we went around there, went out, was paddling, uh, paddling in one day. Um, I see the wave coming. I starts paddling. Um, I pops up onto my board. My mate that was just going back out, um, he pointed over to the other side. So I was going down a left, left-hander. He says, look over there. So I looks down the wave and there was like three or four dolphins jumping out of the wave in front of me. That happened for literally, um, it must have been a millisecond. But that that image is imprinted, it's burnt into my mind as that kind of perfect surfing moment where I was like popped up on the board, looked across, sees these sees these um these, these dolphins jumping out jumping out the front of the wave. I lost concentration, put weight on the front on the front of my board and front ended it um and, and splashed out. <laughs> like but like I said, that moment of looking across the wave. And seeing the seeing the, the the dolphins jumping out the front of the wave for for literally a split second, kind of cemented my um, my surfing experience. It, it's like a the, right. the the perfect moment, and that's what flow state's about. Is it, like being in the moment, being present, um, and then as soon as I got into my own head of, wow, look at that, that's amazing. Loss of concentration, splashed out. The very same thing happens in Thai boxing. You're you're there, you're moving, you land a beautiful shot, you go, wow, that was a good shot. Then you get hit back. <laughs> it's so it's like I say, it's <laughs> it's Sod's law. It, it's as soon as you get out of the moment and you recognize yourself being in the moment, that's when you lose it. So it's that it's that yeah, it's that kind of perpetual um chase and that perpetual search for remaining in the moment at all times and it's uh yes yeah, it's, it's tough it's tough it's tough but that's the, that's the that's the chase that's the excitement and one of the one of the things i've i've found because um have you have you heard of the guy um the author steve kotler have you heard of him with his 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 books on flow state yeah 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 so, so one, the, of, one the, of the things the, I the rise saw of that, superman it's what it's... yes that's it yeah, all, all all of those books that he's got. But yeah, Rise of Superman's the one where he's talking about like extreme sport athletes. But one of the things he's talked about um, with people accessing flow is that the, he sees that there's like four kind of categories people find flow. Um, and I've got it. I've got it written down. I'm just going to get it up. So the first one that that I think most people that do Muay Thai are going to relate to is hard charger. So it's those physical activities. It's pushing yourself to in in that respect. So it's it's things like Muay Thai. It's like skydiving. It's all these kinds of things, and I think we can kind of feel like okay, that's probably how we're finding finding flow. That's why we're drawn to these activities. And then the other one, or another one, is deep thinker. So that's where you're more introspective. It's researching stuff. It's writing. Then there's flow goer which is more spiritual based. So it's yoga, meditation, people that find flow from doing that predominantly. And then the, the fourth one was crowd pleaser. So that's someone who likes presenting, singing, you know, being up on stage, that kind of side of things. And what he's realized or noticed is that people tend to have like a primary category and a secondary category. And I know for me, when I've looked at it, I think earlier on, I was more of a hard charger. And I think as I'm aging, I'm uh, my my secondary category, which is deep thinker, where I'm just thinking about stuff, 
has become more of my dominant one and hard charge has become my secondary one as, as I'm getting a bit older and I can't hard charge quite as, <laughs> as much as I did for as long as I did. Um, but I, th I think that's fascinating in that it's probably what draws us to the things we're, we're drawn to. It's, it's how do we personally find flow? And you'll probably find it's one of those, one of those categories pretty much with a little bit of a, yeah. a secondary aspect somewhere else. And it probably changes a bit over time as well. But does that sort of feel like it rings true for you as well? And perhaps yeah, you were a bit of a hard yeah, charger so, earlier on. Well, well quite, quite possibly. Um, but yeah, like living life on the edge and and that kind of the Rise of Superman book when it, it kind of explains like the element of risk in order to mm. push the boundaries and push, push them goals. Um, it's probably one of the things that, like dragged me towards like the Valetudo World Championships um, and saw that as the most extreme version. Um, and then I found a, the, the Muay Thai um, video and it said the most extreme ring sport in the world. Well, extreme, you, like you talk, now you're talking my language. It's, it was, it was that, yeah, that's it. That I'm, I'm all in now. Like you, now we're talking extreme. Let, let's go. Um, I mean, I've, I've dabbled in a lot of extreme sports as well. So I've done, I've done, I've done skydiving. I've done bungee jumping. Um, I've done some like pretty extreme kind of rock climbs and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I've been over the biggest commercially run um, whitewater rafting waterfall in the world, in, in New Zealand. Um, I've done Zorbin. I've, I've done, I've done lo loads of those like extreme sports and it's, like I say, it's it's one of those where you're looking for that adrenaline spike all the time. Yeah. And it's a moving goalpost, isn't it? That's the thing. Like you say, it does yeah. incrementally. You chase a bigger challenge all the time. Yeah. And and but like I say, the, the, at the end of the day, you're always searching for that next next buzz, that next big high. Um and I think this was possibly one of the reasons why I, I wanted to get back in the ring because it was um because it was a challenge, because I've been out of the ring for for so long, um, I mean it was, I was I've been out of the out of the ring for pretty much twelve years, um, and that kind of little nagging question: Have you still got it? Is it still there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it was one of those where I was wanting to go. Yeah, I've still got it. Go on in. <laughs> <laughs> but again it was it was another opportunity to have a, a fair competition wasn't it because both yeah. you guys that were competing similar ages similar experience as such and it was yeah it's it was a, a good fair test yeah i mean i mean diego's been in with with some um some really big names um so i got to the point where i was in the wmc world rankings um I was I was in the top ten and never got in it. I think the highest I got was like a f three or four in the in the in the world rankings. Um, but the guys that were above me were people like Namsak Noy, Lam Namun, um, and Diego had fought these guys, and I was like, right. uh, I, ne I never quite got that opportunity to have that have those challenges. Um, but Diego did, so it was like, right, okay, well, if the like that's that's the level that we're playing at. Um, this is this is a legitimate challenge. It, it's it's one of those where I'm 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 having to take it seriously. Um, so let, let let's go for it. It's like the 
the challenge was the the personal challenge all the way through, um, but then the the final kind of hurdle was like a pressure test of that performance work that we've done for the for the fifteen weeks preparation that I had. Yeah, yeah, and and how did you find that that fifteen weeks of preparation? Obviously, you know you you've been training other fighters since you stopped competing yourself, but this was your opportunity really to do the acid test on yourself and perhaps scale it a bit as well, because you are a bit older than a real youthful athlete that can tolerate more. You had to be more precise with exactly what you did when, um, what was that like actually taking 15 weeks, trying to get a structured approach to what you're doing and how did that feel different to what you used to do? Um, well, I, I think, I think we had this, this chat in the, in the first couple of weeks, um, we would, we chatted about about structuring the strength conditioning program, and I was like, right, okay, well, that's what that's what that's what Don's telling me to do, so I can do that on the on the evening. Um, I'm used to doing like my five k's every every morning before work and, and and that kind of thing, so I'll 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 just chuck them in as well. Um, and yeah, I try I tried doing that in the in the first couple of weeks, and, and uh, I, I knackered myself for about three days. Um, it, it, was, it, was just, it was just too too much all all in one go. Um, so so yeah, being being able to kind of recognize that, feel the impacts, and go yeah, I've just knackered myself just by trying to push too hard, too soon, too quick. Um, right, okay, this is I need to follow this structure a little bit more closely. Um, I can't do what I used to do. I can't have that volume of training stress and and like I say it, it's made me more sympathetic to 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 my fighters and 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 saying look well if if you can't have that if you can't take that that level of training stress let let's look at the 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 volume let's have a look at the 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 full week of training let's see where you're putting yourself under pressure let's let's have a look at the kind of um RPE scale and and and, and um, training minutes and and that that was the little bit of genius that I, that I got from you was it was was that little kind of Excel calculation uh, between yeah. the RPE scale and and then the 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 minutes under load and 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 that kind of thing, understanding the kind of high high days low days and and um, yeah just that just that that wider perspective rather than just saying yep get out running. And it's <laughs> well. I mean, like they say, there's no, there's no school like the old school. But at the end of the day, there's there's a time and a place to be applying that applying the knowledge. Um, so yeah. the 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 work rate is there. So work rate coupled with discipline. Because um, now the the challenge was to say, right, okay, you've done enough. Don't overcook it. Don't undo mm. the good work that you've done by saying, "Well, I need a finisher." Well, those finishers, yeah, they finish you off. They they undo all the good work that you've done <laughs> when when you've when you've looked for the adaptation. Yeah. So, like, you're kind of undoing all that good work. Um, that's like I say that's one of the that's one of the big things I've taken from it. Brilliant. And and the other thing was as well that you were doing a really good job of monitoring your recovery. I think it was like a it was a Garmin you were using, wasn't it? Which yeah. had a like an HRV heart rate variability. Yeah. But you, it's also it's not just the training stress; it's what's going on outside of that. I mean, you you had like a 
a, a fraught chip, uh, trip to Moscow, didn't you? <laughs> just before everything kicked off in the Ukraine yeah. and Russia. It was literally just before that. And there was all that traveling stress that you had as well. And that obviously affects what you can tolerate in your training. And um, yeah, I, th I thought that was a really good example, really, of what happens outside of your training also affects your training too. Yeah, yeah. So... Um... So it does all the heart rate variability and, and monitors your stress levels and um, monitors your sleep and, and gives you like the periods through your sleep with kind of light sleep, REM sleep, deep sleep, um, monitors when you're awake. Um, and then you get your little kind of green tick at the end of the day if, you, if you've had a good night's sleep. <laughs> um, uh, or it'll kind of rate your the, the quality of your sleep in a, in a percentage scale. Um, so seeing how I may feel as though I've had enough sleep, then with jet lag kicking in and and, and things like that, um, you start recognizing how that has an impact on your on your training stress. Yeah, and sleep is one of those things. I mean, if you look at the research, it's like obvious. And and actually, as an athlete, as a fighter, you know when if you've been cutting corners on your sleep, everything starts to to fall off. But there's loads of real discrete measurements that show you as soon as you're kind of cutting below seven hours, your performance is going to drop off. Your recovery is not going to be what it should be. It means you can't push as hard in your training. Um, nutrition and sleep are those sort of things that we kind of disrespect. We kind of we want to do things, don't we? We want to we want to yeah. work and make yeah. them be that's yeah. what's responsible for making us better and not just get better sleep or longer sleep. <laughs> yeah, but it, so it, it's massive. The, the yeah, the, the, the guy that I followed up for that was a guy called Matthew Walker. Um, he, wrote, he wrote a book called Why We Sleep. Um, he did a yes. he did a um, done a podcast with Joe Rogan and on the uh, Huberman Labs podcast. Um, like they, they did a real kind of deep dive into it. So um, with with Joe Rogan, it was more kind of um, conversational whereas in the in the Huberman lab podcast the Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist um so they they got into into a lot of the the detail on that um but yeah like your your sleep and your nutrition are probably 80 85% of your recovery protocols so okay there's a there's a time and a place to be having your cryo cryogenic sessions and and having your sports massage and, and and things like that but if you're not taking the lion's share of your recovery seriously with your nutrition with your sleep patterns then all these like extra bits extra like one percents here and there um the it, it's like peeing in the ocean uh you're you not you're not you're not going to do anything um so yeah you have to you have to take that seriously I'd kind of forgotten about the um, kind of post-fight come down mm. um, where you, you, your body's been in that kind of prepared state to, 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 to compete. Um, and then after, after the fight, that's when all the niggles come out. That's when all the little kind of aches and pains cause you, you're not firing on that adrenaline so much. Um, and I did, I did have a, a bit of a break straight after. So I went over to the, um, Alamount TT. I um, saw that. Yes. Went to what? Went, yeah. Went went over to watch the bike racing. Um, but then, like the first week back into um, 
so it, this has been like this is my second week back into kind of uh, proper tra- proper training back in the back in the gym and, and stuff like that, uh, and now kind of the more kind of sports specific niggles are coming out. So the 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 elbow from holding pads and and a little bit of niggles on my on my wrist. So, but I mean, it's it's part of it. It's part of the part of the part of the gig. Um, but we we deal with it as we go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just shows that need for the for the progressive training, doesn't it? And that that full cycle. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, um, I mean, what one of the godsends that we we've had um, through this is kind of understanding the kind of sports therapy side of things and putting the um, kind of parasympathetic um, recovery sessions in there. Um, Sort of mindfulness towards the foam roller in and uh, kind of specific stretching sessions and and things like that. Um, so I, I had a I had a couple of niggles as we were going through the fight camp, um, and I was just of that mentality of like, right, okay, foam roller it and just grind grind the crap out of it. And um, yeah, we've got a, a new sports therapist that that, that works at the gym. Um, I had some calf problems, um, and so I, I got the got the foam roller stick, and I was hammering my calf. And she's like, "No, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Um, get on a get on a massage ball, massage out the feet, and and all that kind of business." And, and literally within within a couple of sessions, all of a sudden my calf pain had gone because I was massaging my feet, and I like I couldn't. I was struggling to kind of correlate the two um, because the pain was the pain was in my calf, but I was massaging my foot. Yeah. Um and it, it all comes back to that um kind of fascia stuff and all, all the kind of referred pain and and all that kind of business. So yeah. Um, that... we we've 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 now actually introduced that as as a as a specific session down at the gym. Right, interesting. And do you know what feet are a massive part of Muay Thai and um it's that connection to the floor, it's where you generate all your power. We're barefooted as well, we haven't got all orthotics and that sorting us out. Feet. We just yeah, need to look yeah. after those. I know I posted a, a video yeah, on the... YouTube about um, using a tennis ball in the sole of the foot and and how you can kind of open up the foot and and create more space in there and um, the short foot exercise as well that makes the arch of the foot stronger so you don't end up with the flat feet and that's that's been a yeah. really popular one actually and and a really yeah, o- so, overlooked area. Um, link it, linking together that with um, so you. I think you sent us a, a couple of videos through, and then I got some stuff from um, the supple leopard guy, yes. um, Kelly Starrett. The, yes, the, the ready state, or the ready state on on Instagram, um, Kelly Starrett. Yeah. But funnily enough, on um, one of one of my friends actually wrote the supple leopard book with him. Oh really? Um, a guy, yeah, a guy, a guy called Glenn Cordoza. Um, I met I met him over in Thailand. Um, and he's done a lot of instructional books. He's, he's worked with kind of BJ Penn, Randy Couture. Like you, you have a look at some of the MMA books that are out there. Um, and Glenn's probably worked with him. He is uh-huh. that's that's been his that's been his gig. And I, and I actually met him out in Thailand. Um, where, and and so so yeah, there's a there's a strange kind of reconnection there. And you're obviously still evolving. Not well, evolving as a fighter. God's sake, that's been happening recently, but, but also as a coach and like, it's, it's, why do you still, 
I guess not still fighting now. It was kind of like it was the last dance is, is what, how you're describing it, wasn't it? But yeah. Why is it you're still coaching and doing all these things that you do and, and still progress, feel like you're progressing like that? Um, because I, I think there's all the, the the new science that's coming out. There's I, I want to be the guy that I didn't have. Um, I, I, I want to, I want to be able to help people and give people advice to, to make their journeys easier and more productive and, and, and hit their, hit their peaks and hit and reach their potential. Um, that's, that's what I'm looking to push now. Um, and yes, okay. I might get the odd carrot dangle to pull the gloves on again. Like the promoters are always already been private messaging me and, and stuff. Um, but uh, at, the, at, the, at the moment, I'm just going to kind of leave, leave it there and, and, and uh, the, yeah, it has to be something kind of special to, to, to maybe draw me out. Um, but, <laughs> but like I say, evolving as a, as a fighter, one of the, um, so the Hubman Labs podcast that I was telling you about the other day, uh, telling you about earlier, um, I watched a, a new one yesterday with Ido Portal. Um, yes, he did. He was the the, the movement coach. Um, he did he did some work with Conor McGregor and and, and stuff like that. Um, they and I, I did a did a um, Instagram post about it. It was it was about the 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 power of incompleteness. And right. and it's that kind of Japanese calligraphy circle where. It's almost a circle. It's almost complete, but they never quite get there. It never quite closes the loop, um, and and this is where I feel as though I'm enjoying my my life and my my, my journey as a coach in in the fact that we're trying to find that find that find that tipping point. Find that find where that the the biggest value is. Understanding where the low hanging fruit is. What are the actionable things that we can that we we can do in order to give you that continual one percent change, one percent change, one percent increase each and every time we train? We look for little tweaks here and there, and that's what coaching is. It's over. We're looking at the long. We're looking at the long game. There's there's no quick fixes in this. Um, you always have to be searching for that one percent every single time. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what's popping into my head there, Rich, is that um, it, that continuous loop that doesn't quite close, it's that eternal beginner's mindset that I don't know it all. There's there's new stuff, there's new stuff. And the, the deeper I look at stuff, the more nuance I see in what I thought I knew and I don't. Or even what we thought we knew with with research and science is like, yeah, do you know what? We've we've found actually that model that we were basing it on. It's not quite right. It's more like this now. It's always it's always yes. evolving. Um and I like that that sort of 80-20 Pareto rule that that 20% of what we do is the priority stuff that gets 80% of the results. But every time you improve yeah. something, you've still got that ratio of 80-20 and still 20% of even the good stuff you're doing was actually the stuff that was getting the results. So you can always keep recycling and going, looking deeper and looking deeper. So of that 20%, what was the 20%? Of that 20%, what's the 20%? And that's the stuff that keeps moving you forwards. Um, yeah, and it and it sounds like that's that's the kind of uh, attitude you've got as well, where you're just continue re-examining what you're already doing, but what's what's new yeah, as well. Lays of an onion. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, laser, laser. Keep, keep digging at those layers. Yeah, there's, there's always there's always another layer, um, and and that's that's one of the things that I'm I'm enjoying at the moment. So I've got some um, kind of protocols kind of put in place to teach my teach my guys how to like manage the fight in a kind of smarter way. But now I'm getting to a stage now where we've been going through that for maybe maybe two, three, four years. Um, and people are kind of working out how to how to deal with that. Okay, so now my my process is right. Okay, now the now people are understanding what's the answer. Okay, what's the antithesis to that answer? Uh, th- and this this is where the thinking is, is kind of keeps you on that growth edge. Yeah. So with growth, with with the different fighters, what what do you feel are the most important traits or characteristics for a champion to have from from your perspective with not only yourself but the people that you've worked with? Probably the the, the most important factor I would say is emotional intelligence. Um mm. we we need we need to we need to get to a point where like in this in this game Everybody's tough. Um, tough enough only takes you so far. Um, so basing your fight strategy around being tough, well, the people who lean on that don't tend to last too long. Um, they're, they're like fireworks. They'll, they'll come and they'll go. Um, and, the, and one of the one of the things around that is that you need to be smart with your with your training, you have to be smart with your fight strategies. Um, and it, it gets to a point where when you're, when you're, when you're looking for that kind of ultimate answer, that's where the evolution of the sport kind of rolls. It, it's like a, it's like a cloud. There's, there's no, there's no kind of solid structure to say, right, this is a fight this is how you put your structure in place to deal with that fight. Because as soon as you put a structure in place, that's when it changes. So, <laughs> so this is what keeps the, the, the evolving job of a, of a coach um, to stay on that cutting edge and keep the finger on the pulse to see how the, how the game and the strategy is, um, is evolving. Um, but also having the, the smartness and the savvy to say, right. Okay. Well, if, if, if he's focusing more on, on 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 body kicking, what's the answer to that? I'm either managing the distance or I'm going to make it miss and look for the counter shots. Um, this this is where the, the the technique then comes into play. So um, yeah, like toughness is is a is a prerequisite. The ultimate answer mm-hmm. always has to come back to technique because there's no there's no there's no glass ceiling to technique. There's a glass ceiling to toughness. Right. Yeah. And that, that emotional intelligence, it's, you always hear, I've, I actually posted something about this on social media as well. There's, there's fight IQ and, and that's sort of the, the technical and tactical side, but there's also EQ, the, the emotional quotient, which is the, the emotional intelligence. And it's that side of things as well, um, where you are, I guess, more, more honest with yourself about, how you're feeling, how you respond to things. And it's knowing yourself better, isn't it? Rather than almost being tough is like, well, I'll hide that stuff rather than go, no, no, what's what's really going on? What distracts me internally when I'm doing these things? 
Um, what what are my patterns of behaviour that way? And I guess with with your background as a like um, sort of performance coaching and, and the mindset coaching, that sort of side of it is is equally kind of your game, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I think there has to be a vulnerability to to, to mm. yourself when it, when when I'm when I'm approaching these things. If you're not if you're not comfortable in order to say like maybe my my recognize what my strengths are but also admitting my weaknesses okay mm-hmm. like it got to a point where i was admitting i'm 45 years old i can't be doing this the kind of stuff that i was doing when i was 25 years old but at the end of the day you start recognizing well if this is where i'm starting and this is my kind of fight performance level can i still have that same leap that can i still have that same differential and this is this is what gave us the it's been able to kind of play with those stats i suppose like as lies damn lies and statistics um it's how you how you want to play with those numbers uh and i think this uh, this was one of the one of the journeys that i that i've kind of been through myself in in the fact that you need to be able to recognize your your strengths recognize your weaknesses and then what's the expectation of a step up through fight training through fight through a through a fight camp yeah and and with all of this it's it's you're going to hit obstacles aren't you you're going to hit setbacks and it's it's how you sort of bounce back from those how you learn from those but i'd be interested to know what you feel have been your sort of greatest challenges or obstacles and and what you've learned from those um i mean the probably one of the one of the biggest challenges has been kind of accepting I'm not where I was. Um, one of the biggest challenges was being able to take take a step back, but then also managing my own kind of mental health around that um, to to say, well, oh, is are these people supporting me and and start getting into that kind of of a almost over analysis, overthinking, breeding anxiety, um, it gets to a point where uh, sooner or later you just have to go. Well, it's a, it's on the schedule. That work gets done, and then lean into mm-hmm. the process and and being able to trust the process. Um, and there's a reason why there's people like like yourself doing it, doing your job because there, there's there's science behind what you're telling people. It's it's the it's the intelligence behind it. It's not just an opinion, um, and mm. so be so being able to embrace what that what those challenges are. How are you going to answer that call when 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 push comes to shove? Um, are you are you gonna are you gonna, are you gonna crumble? Are you are you gonna fall back and just say, well, um, maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Or are you going to lean into it and go? I'm not going to let that happen today. Because the thing is, is yeah. that like quite 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 a few times through, right at the start of the fight camp, um, I had a lot of people going, "You shouldn't be doing this. You're 45 years old. Mm-hmm. You're 20 kilos out of shape. You've been out of the ring for 12 years. Like all these things, all that like. If it was me saying that." Yeah, it probably would have beaten up my confidence and 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 
and ground me down a little bit. But the fact that it was someone else saying that, that was that was just fuel for the fire. That that was just that was just motivation to me. For people to say that I couldn't do it served as motivation. So I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna show that guy. I'm gonna show it show him this is possible. <laughs> I'm gonna achieve it. I'm gonna step up. Brilliant. That is great to have that those kind of um those goals to aim at, isn't isn't it? You know, the goal yeah. setting part of the process. Yeah. Once you've got I mean, there is nothing like having a fight date to sort yourself out. <laughs> well, yeah, this is it. This is it. Like, well, to, to be honest, that, that's one of the reasons why it kind of came about was I was doing all these um, kind of Facebook challenges and stuff like that. See how many burpees you could do in a month. See how many press-ups you could do in a month, mm-hmm. chin-ups in a month. Um, and like, as soon as, it, like, I'm a disciplined guy. So as soon as I said, right, this is the schedule, this is what has to get done. You get up on your morning, you do your, you do the set amount, and you say, right, okay, by the like I've done the calculations, by the end of the month, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have done my two thousand, gonna have done my three thousand press-ups, whatever. Um But it but it was getting to that point and I was I was going, well, there was no dopamine hit at the end of it. There was there was there was no reward at the end of it. It was like you lean into the system, you do the calculations, you do the work, you achieve your goal. And it's almost becomes an expectation. Well, because it's expected, there was no like dopamine fix at the end of it. There was there was no celebration. There was no like conquering. There was no like standing on top of the hill with my arm aloft say, saying that I've that I've won, that I've that I've done it. Um it was just yeah. a case of well, you did the calculations, you broke it down. It's an achievable task. Get it done. That's it. Move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, where's the celebration? Where's the reward? Uh, and this is what we were saying, lean, leaning into the, the these um, flow finders, well, like the, 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 mm. the flow um, archetypes. When, it, when you're wanting that reward... Yes. Um, and then there's no one cheering for you. You're like, I didn't get any flow from that. I didn't. I didn't get any reward from. There was no dopamine yeah. fix from that. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. What What can I do that gives me that dopamine <laughs> fix? A fight. Yeah. Having a Having a challenge at the end of it, um, where the there's a potential of loss. There's a potential of failure. Um, like. Getting your ass kicked in front of your friends and family and your kids and everything is is one hell of a motivator. <laughs> and uh, yeah, is it, <laughs> like I, I, it was that thing where I was always always going back to it um, and and saying, "Well, that's what has to be done, right? Okay, now I've ticked the boxes. I've done the work. Was that attendance, or mm. have I really put some effort in there?" And out of all my strength conditioning sessions, I never once crawled out of there. I was never broken when I was walking, coming out of my strength conditioning sessions. But leaning into leaning into the training, recognizing recognizing that adaptation and the fantastic balance of minimal dose response meant that I was able to get that step up in performance without breaking. Um, and that's that's what that's what the coaching's about. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and what you're saying about the, uh, like a relevant challenge as well to kind of spur all that on. When we've been talking about flow state, it's a, it's a big part of what you do as well, but it is the, to hit flow, you actually need to exceed your current ability just a bit, don't you? I yeah. Know, something like 105% or something yeah, was the, the number that came. 104% yeah. was it. <laughs> right, me highly check, check set me high. And, um, or another bit of really nice research I saw was that you should be expecting to succeed about 85% of the time. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. So failing 15% of the time. If you're kind of a bit too either side of that, then you're either not doing enough, not pushing yourself enough to grow the most, or or it's too much of a challenge. And um, and is that kind of how you felt about this this particular goal of the fight? It was like, I'm about 85% that I could do this, that's that's near enough for me and that's going to strive me to... Well, to I mean, I mean, um, like, I think every time within within training, um, yeah, I'll, pr- I'll probably, probably hit 100% challenge each time. Um, mm-hmm. And I probably probably had probably more than more than 15% failure with some of the lads that I was training with. I mean, I mean... Joe, Joe Craven and, and, and James James France and the, and, the, and the lads down at Bad Company, they weren't messing around. They they gives it gives a bit of a kick in with it, like through the through the sparring sessions and stuff. Um, I mean, hell, like in the first couple of weeks, I got dropped heavily in sparring. Um, a couple of a couple of weeks before the fight, um, I think I, I, maybe it was a broken rib, maybe it was a badly bruised rib. Um, and mm-hmm. it was that was one of the things that was kind of on my mind during during the fight. Um, happened a couple of weeks before, and it was enough to um, it didn't fully drop me. Um, it was enough to mm-hmm. kind of disengage, like hold hold holding my ribs. Then all of a sudden, like a couple of days gone by, like the I was still getting a little niggle in there. I was like, yeah, there's some some going on there. Um, and so the, those 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 challenges in training, um, I think what you'll find with a, a lot of a lot of fighters, um, certainly, certainly with the with the guys over in Thailand as well, um, the training, the the fight's the easy bit. Mm-hmm. The fight's actually the easy bit. They it's it's in the it's the um, in training is sometimes a lot harder. It's a lot more challenge. Um, I would say maybe getting to down to even even sixty percent, um, a sixty percent win, forty percent, forty percent of the time you're losing. Like right, okay, got to step, got to step it up, got to push, got to push, got to push. Um, and and if you're too comfortable through that, then I would I would I would say that. Those those figures may change depending on what sport or what challenges that you're 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 faced with, um, because certainly when you when you're stepping into a a, a combat arena, um, like knowing that you face some absolute monsters, builds your confidence to know that you can deal with any challenge that's ahead of you in the ring. Um, yeah. So I mean I mean like. I'm not, I'm not like Diego was wasn't a, a Joe Craven. That, that, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a, the the balance the the comparison that I was having. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was certainly a, a a tough challenge through through training, 
Um, and probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed the fight so much. Um, uh, I'm, the, I'm sure you watched the video. Um, I, I, I don't think I stopped smiling through the whole fight. I, I was I was just enjoying it so much in there. Um, and I'd, there was there was at no point that I was under any concern or or or, or particularly tested at that point. Um, so so yeah, I, I think I think that's where the um, a lot of the enjoyment was is that I could just stay laughing and playing and playing my game and and being able to kind of sit in my game as opposed to seeing it as a fight where it's a 50 50 yeah and that that challenge starts to create extra extra stresses in, in what you can see and what you can do yeah yeah I'd, I'd love to know rich you know if you could go back in time and change anything about your approach to either training or coaching what that would be if there was something you could do sooner that you found later? I think it's the acceptance that not ev- not everyone wants it as much as I do. Like, right. I would move heaven and earth. I, I've, I've, I've priority. Like, I've put the priority of going training above going to a funeral. Um, I've put the priority of training above going to f- friends' parties and, and birthday parties and and, and stuff. Um, like I'm lit, I was literally obsessed. Um, and yeah, okay, that may seem a bit out of balance, and you don't achieve things by being in balance. Um, but but certainly understanding that um having having that awareness that not everyone wants it as much as i wanted it or want it um is it is a is a big one um because i think that's caused me a lot of stress as a as a coach on trying to understand why people aren't training every night like what's what's wrong with you like you're you're only training twice a week. Well, what's what you're doing the other five nights a week? Like, just totally misunderstanding yeah. where 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 people's drive is and and um, getting to a point of going. Well, like I say, you can you can take a horse to water. You can't make it drink. Um, you can you can do all the things that you're. You can tell people what to do. They don't have to do it, but. Don't be surprised by the results that you're getting from the work that you didn't do. Um, so mm-hmm. this is and and this is where the this is where the juggle comes in. It, it and it and it is a juggle. It is a balance. Um, but I think one of the things that kind of differentiated me was my levels of of obsession, um, and. Like, I gave I gave up all my twenties. I didn't have one holiday through my twenties. Um, I just spent all my all my time either either working or or going out to Thailand. The 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 kids in Thailand said, "Oh, Richard, Richard, no holiday, Richard, no holiday." It was like, well, "What? What?" It was like, "A change is as good as a rest." And so it was one of the one of those where, <laughs> okay, 
get in the get in there, you do your work and and and, and that's what it is. Um I gave up my party years to 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 get to to where I want to be. Um and it, it's it's made for some great stories. Um <laughs> and being able to kind of now pass this on as a as a coach. Um yeah, okay. And also I was a bit of a weirdo wanted to give up my party years for, <laughs> for, for, for so long for so long. Um but that's what it takes if 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 that's what you wanna if that's the level that you wanna get to. So um I'm just pleased that I've been able to get the opportunities that I've got through 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 Richard Smith and 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 through through GT over in Thailand. Brilliant. And if Rich, if you were to give like one piece of advice to someone who wants to be as great as they could be, what would that be? Oh, I've I've got it written on the on the on the board at the at the gym is that nine times out of ten, um, training volume is. The, the the number one differentiator. Um it's only when you're hitting those hitting those glass ceilings that you recognise that there's alternative ways to go. Don't don't look for the shortcut. Sit in it until you're absolute like absolutely on that on that cusp. Um and then that's when you'll find your learning. Um, whether it's through research, whether it's through additional coaches, whether whether it's through, I mean, the the, the availability of of um, of information now on 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 Google through YouTube and, and and Instagram and all these different coaches that are out there, um, yes, the answers are there, um, but I think everyone's looking for that quick fix. When it, at the end of the day, people still need to sit in and and still do the still do the hard graphs, still do the basics and get the basic stuff done well. Um, yeah, so that that's that's probably what I would say is that a lot of people need it, need to like, just work on that training volume to as a as a as a starting point. Yeah. You've got to sit in it long enough and not just bail and move to the next shiny thing. You you've got yeah, to yeah. get grind the res, the result from from what you're doing. Like I said, there's there's a and there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place for that grind. There's a time and a place for that um, to 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 sit in it. Um, and then when you when you turn around and go, well, I've I've been doing this now for for six months. Have you seen the benefit? Yeah. Okay. Keep doing it. I've been doing doing this for 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 eight months. You seen the benefit? Yeah, but I've hit a plateau. Okay, you're recognizing your plateau, right? Okay, well, this these are these are some subtle things that we can change, and then that's that's where you're going to find your answers. Brilliant, love it. Thanks, Rich. Really appreciate you sharing some of that experience from all these different aspects that you had crammed into both your your fighting and your coaching career. Really, really appreciate you sharing the time with me, mate. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on. <laughs> You can follow Rich on Instagram at Rich Cadden and follow Choc D Jim at chockd.gym. And Rich is on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. And check out the gym website, chockdacademy.co.uk. And as usual, you'll find links to all of these with this episode. 
Thanks for listening. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, and share with someone else it could help too. Please give the podcast a review or comment below. We'd love to hear from you. As always, you can visit heatrick.com for more Muay Thai performance podcasts, videos, articles, and guides. Catch you next time.